Welcome to Two Guys, a Girl, and the Podcast. Uh, this time out, we're girlless, so we have just two guys in a podcast. We're talking about a classic Doctor Who episode called The Evil of the Daleks. I am Ken. Jeff. And um, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about some Doctor Who news. Um, uh, first off, you mentioned that they found a, a Dalek episode that was in the wrong tin, and... I don't understand how they they could do that. Haven't they checked all the tins? It was at the BFI. For some Again. reason, they went to the BFI to go look to see yeah. if there were better copies. My guess is they're doing a season one Blu-ray special, mm-hmm. and so they're going looking for stuff, and they just happened to find an episode of the Daleks, which is of superior quality than the one they have now, at the BFI in the wrong tin. I, I don't know why they wouldn't. When when were they? Okay. I don't know. I mean, first off, okay, yeah, so I'm not going to get into that, but it, it seems like after all this time that every nook and cranny would have been tested by or now. But. is it just an excuse that, hey, some collector gave them back the uh, episode of the Daleks and they just want to protect Whatever. the person's identity? Yeah, they would have said. Minus Paul Venenzi, he lies like. No, I know they lie, but they could, they could have said, oh, someone returned it and they remiss, wished to remain anonymous, so. They probably didn't want to say it because then the, you know, all the fans will go, do they have any copies of Marco Polo? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same thing. You found a tin. Okay, what about the rest of the 100 tins there? Are you going to test check those? Nah, we're fine. You know, well, okay, well, Marco Polo could be in those tins. So we it's just, it. okay, well, they just seem to very disorganized over there in Britain. But anyways, but good news. At least there's a better copy of... The Daleks, I don't know if it was an episode that had a poor copy to begin with. So that, it's good news anyways, but and it also is good news because it definitely potentially... Uh, Who knows what could be lurking in the BFI or whatever. Maybe they'll find something. Episode 4 of 10th Planet would be nice. Um, artist Chris Chilios? Yes, he did a lot of the Target covers. Passed away... Yeah, he did a lot of Target covers, and I love the Target covers. Uh, the, the Target books were created in the 70s. They reprinted the first three, and um, these covers were a mixture of, like, color and black and white art, and they were really well done. They were really good. They were, you know, you see those, and you get all excited. Planet, he did. I remember that one vividly. Yeah, Crusades. Um, the Daleks, maybe, Dog and Vision Earth, maybe. Yeah, he, he you know Day of the Daleks. He he did most of the books that came out in the seventies. He did, uh, and then they came up with a uh, during the Peter Davison era, I believe. They came up with someone decided. Did them. Well, they what they decided to do was they decided when they did reprints of books, not to include the Doctor's likeness on the book because they were afraid. People who were into Doctor Who would go, oh, I'm going to pick up the Mythmakers, for example. Mythmakers? Not Mythmakers. Um, Crusades. I'm going to pick up the Crusade book. Well, the Crusade book has a picture, an art drawing of Chris Achelius of, uh, first doctor. of the First Doctor. The reprint um, has just a picture of like a... a um, as the King. Crusade. Yeah. Like a Crusade picture. A very generic art. 
work. And all the books from that era, the reprints are kind of stupid. They're, they're, you know, some of them are okay, but most of them just have, like, these depictions of things that were from the episode, but no doctors. And then they, they finally... A lot of Davidson <clears throat> looks for pictures. Yeah. Looks for pictures. They went to pictures. So, really, Chris's stuff was amazing, and I remember the reprint of Crusade. It was the first time I got that the, that printing. It was shorter than the rest of the books. It was it was you know, when you look at the books, they're all this tall. And it was like, just, yeah, it's just a little shorter. And I finally found the Crusade first edition of it. I was very happy to find that, and that had the the artwork from this guy. Yes, he did a lot of a lot of art, like a lot of fantasy art pictures. Yeah, he did the heavy metal poster, movie poster. Did he really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I tried posting it on our Facebook, and it rejected it for some reason. Facebook's like I don't know. Well, I don't know what's going on with that. Really good artwork, um, and that's one of the main reasons I collected all the first editions of the Target books because his artwork really um, stood out. It was fantastic. Yeah. He must have just came out with a book not that long ago, a collection of his art. Other news, um, you know, the Matrix movie is coming out pretty soon. Next week, I believe. Yeah, that well, snuck up on me. When this gets released, it'll be the week of. It's not this. Yeah. Speaking of the Matrix, I just wanted to bring this up. I um, I watched the the more recent uh, Black Lotus uh, Blade Runner uh, animated series. The one that which, came out last night. Well, I watched the last two, and, and those last two were amazing. It shows really, really good. Um, and then they, I forgot the. They still. They're still doing that editing thing where someone asks a question and then there's a uh, like a thirty second delay, and then they finally answer. But um, Jessica, um, let's see, I have her name written down. The person who plays the voice of Black Lotus, or L, right? Her name's L. Yeah, L is Jessica Henwick, and that name sounded familiar because she played in. Uh, um, she played Colleen Wing in Iron Fist and. Um, Series. No way. Yeah. And she was the sidekick funny girl. No, in Iron oh, Fist Iron TV Fist. series. Yeah. Oh, okay. The love interest and, and the, the, the girl. She al She's also in Matrix Resurrections. She's in the next Knives Out movie. So she's also in a movie called Love and Monsters, but I hopefully no relation to the Doctor Who episode. That's a show that's worth... It is worth watching. It's really good, especially if you're a Blade Runner fan. Um, Hawkeye. Have you been watching Hawkeye? Yeah, I've enjoyed. Did you Hawkeye. watch the latest one? Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, I, 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 it was pretty obvious who was under the mask. Yeah, well, they set it up, and I mean, uh, this is, when this is released, you haven't seen it yet, too bad. But yeah. everyone knows that, like, you know, should I keep it secret or not? Yeah, screw it. It was Yuleva, you know, Black Widow. Everyone knows yeah, who's yeah. going to be making an appearance in there anyway after the end of. Screen credit scene after Black Widow. So is. I'm gonna say one word. I'm gonna say a couple of things about Cowboy Bebop that's been <laughs> bothering me. First off, um, this is about re remakes in general. Maybe we could do a whole podcast on remakes and reimagining. Uh, believe it or not, people, um, when you like a product, and as soon as someone says they want to do a remake and re, re, re if you go ahead and 
put out your petition signs and start yelling and screaming, you come off as a complete idiot. Um, get over Sounds it. like Doctor Who fans. Well, yeah, get over it. Shows get remade. Movies get remade. Get over it. They've now, rebooted James Bond six times. People still go and see it. So, Cowboy Bebop, I, I don't know if it just did bad ratings. L let me say, first off, I haven't seen all of them yet. Um... The, the show is uneven. It's not perfect. Uh, there's been a couple of really good episodes and a couple of not-so-good episodes. Uh, so it's not perfect. It's not, like, stellar. I'm a big fan of the original so anime. So you've seen the original? Yes. That one's my favorite. And it's really good. It, it, it's insp inspiration for Firefly, amongst other sci-fi, that type of sci-fi and everything. So it's really important, and I get it. But here they are; they're 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 putting a new show on to appeal to other people, maybe some fans of the show and stuff. And fans just said, "No, no, it's horrible. Oh, it's a disrespectful, blah blah blah." And it's like you don't; it's not going to affect the original show. If anything, it's going to get people to watch the original show. So now hundreds of millions of people, or however many people would watch it, are not going to now go watch the, the cartoon because it's off the air. You, you're, you don't get a chance to see the show flourish and all the characters get developed and they could go into all kinds of stuff. And so, and it could get better if you didn't like the first episode, which is a shot per shot uh, adaptation of the first episode of the original series. And everyone's saying, why do live action when it's animated? And I get it. Disney's going on about that now. They're doing all the movies, live action, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and I haven't watched any of them. And I agree, I don't know if you really need to make those. But it's not hurting anyone. They're making these movies. People are liking them. New generations of people will like them. Sure, you might get some people to come up and say, I like the series Cowboy Bebop live action better than the animation. And the animation people will go, their heads will explode. Because they don't know how to let people like what they like. But the fact that they complained about it so much, I don't care if it didn't get good ratings, didn't get good ratings, and it cancels, that's fine. And it's too expensive, maybe, that was fine. But it was, I thought it was funny, I thought it had some good stuff in it. It didn't, it didn't, you know, blow me away, but it was halfway decent, but all the fans who hated it and, oh, what's the point? You know, the point is that they're trying to relaunch the franchise. So do you think Netflix canceled it because of the fans? No, probably not, but it, I'm sure that didn't help. Fa the fans were doing that to try to get it canceled, and they were successful. So, you know, it's just like some, Doctor Who's going through when a similar thing. When did the original thing. series come out? It was 1998. seemed like it was... Still, still a long ways yeah. away. 26 it's episodes. One season. Done. One season and done. Wow, they must have really enjoyed it if they only made... Uh, the, the fans must have really, you know, kept that show alive in 1998 yeah. if they only did one season. So they did one season of the live action. So it lasted the same number of seasons. So how popular is this really be if they only did one whole, one whole season and you got this hardcore fan? Well, part. it's like Firefly. Firefly is considered, like, a, an amazing show. And it, and it is. I love that show. And it's, but it's only 13 episodes. Anyways, they get mad when shows get canceled, and people think that they're, 
they you know they know better and stuff like that and no it sucks um, it's not a good thing it's it's good that if your show go stays on it's going to attract more people more people will go back and watch the animated maybe there'll be conventions out actual cowboy bebop conventions if the show was popular in America where people could go to and you could see maybe some of the original voice actors from yeah. the original now all that's gone because can't be that popular when it lasted one season in ninety eight. Well, it is. It, it's a. It's a. Like I said, it's Blade Runner didn't do well when it first came out in the movie. It's now considered a classic, just like Cowboy Bebop. And obviously, Cowboy Bebop took stuff from Blade Runner as well. Blade but probably. Well, Blade Runner had all the sequels and stuff. Well, you, yeah, but you didn't see the an anime. The anime is really good. I, I'm not going to sit there and say, "Oh, wow, the anime sucks." Let's watch live action. But the live action, they put a lot of work into it. They they. They got the characters down pat, mostly. The, the, some of the stuff is just amazing how they copied it. And it was a lot of fun. Not every episode was spe spectacular. There was a couple of slow episodes there. I haven't watched all of it yet, so maybe it sucks. I don't know. But I just get worked up when, when people are like, you know, if it's a show you're not interested in, then don't try. Don't go after shows to try to sabotage them because... If you, oh, you know, and maybe, you know... Just maybe, like the Star Wars fans want to get the, the, the new trilogy erased from canon? And, and I guess people could criticize me about Doctor Who. Well, well, wait a minute now. You didn't like the latest season of Doctor Who? Well, don't try to to, to rip into it. That's different, though. I'm in Doctor Who fan. I'm in, I'm in the show. I, I review the show. I like the show. And, and maybe I'm being hypocritical, but... But we've watched the show since you the 70s, me the 80s. Yeah. And we, we, in fact, the last series there was two episodes we actually didn't like. I mean, if 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 I'm if I'm reviewing Doctor Who and I'm saying that the classic series sucked, then that's a different story. I don't have any right to say that. It's a different thing. But here I am saying I like both new and and classic, and right now new sucks. But speaking of classic, anything else we want to talk about? Or nope. going to okay. I did listen to the audio episode of this years ago. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was well, fantastic. You must have obviously read the, the book that John Peel wrote. Yep, I read the book. I enjoyed it. You didn't enjoy the... For some reason, I did not enjoy this as much as I thought I was going to. I enjoyed it. The first four episodes are running back and forth in a house, testing Jamie on different emotions... To get the human factor. Yeah, to get the human factor. There's other stories going on. The first episode, they're in the 60s, and they're in this bar, and this and this, and they finally get transferred. That's okay, but then there's... It seemed to go on for a long time. I was kind of like watching it going... And again, if it was still photos, the screen capture things, I probably would have fallen asleep, but it just seems like it went on forever. I don't know how people can watch the telesnaps and just watch the telesnaps of... And say, oh, how great it is that you're watching a slideshow. And then you, there's, you just have a slide, and you have some dialogue, and a whole bunch of dialogue. It's the same freaking slide yeah. for like two or three minutes, and then they change a the slide. It's like, at least this is moving. But I was a little, my, my memory cheated. I, when, I, when I listened to the audio years ago, I was impressed. I wasn't as impressed with Power of the Dogs audio. But when I watched Power of the Daleks not that few years ago, we reviewed it. I thought it was pretty good. This one I was disappointed with the first few episodes. It was a lot of running around and testing Jamie for the human factor. 
once that once they started going into the the, the Dalek, it, it got a lot better. Once they got the scar. Yeah, and that whole the last couple of episodes almost redeems the whole show. Could you imagine watching that Dalek war when they used those little models, Palatoy or whatever they were? Yeah, and and then when you see how they recreated the the Dalek Civil War there on the animation, mm-hmm. and you're just like, that's actually pretty good. But then you think, well, back in 1967, they had these little miniature. Because I think that stuff exists, the little model clips of it. Well, they have someone was filming it while they were filming it. Yeah. So it's a 16 or whatever, 8 millimeter footage of them blowing up the Daleks and stuff. And and it's pretty good footage. I watched just recently, earlier this morning, actually, before. And it was really good stuff. And they they also have some other studio footage from the big sets. And they, in this the D- the DVD or Blu-ray special they added the special effects of the of the the Dalek lasers going across and back and forth in black and white. But so yeah, that would have been spectacular. And audio-wise, it was pretty spectacular. I like the story with the human Daleks where they're going, they're playing games Dizzy and stuff like Daleks. that. Daleks. <laughs> um, they're playing a game. And I enjoyed that. And the Emperor Dalek on audio sounded so ominous. Ominous, and I. I've seen we've seen pictures of them, so we we he, he, we knew he was. The whole set was spectacular, and the animation's pretty good in this. It's 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 not bad. It's I haven't better than the Web of Fear. <laughs> I haven't seen the Web of Fear animation, oh, but Web of Fear's definitely got the worst out of all. All even at the first attempt at part of the Daleks, I thought that was. And they had uh, they threw some Easter eggs like they usually do. They had some candlesticks up on the mantle that were weeping angels. Yeah, there's weeping angel like little statue behind in the water field or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there was, I mean, I'm not bashing it. I, I thought it was pretty good. It's, it's. Um, oh, they also had on one of the posters out when they were in London, when the uh, Galaxy Four woman. Oh, the, oh yeah, yeah. Like supposed to be like a band or a singer yeah. or something. A couple of those. So I'm glad they're doing the animated episodes again. I'm a little bitter uh, that the fact that we can't find the originals, because we had some evidence that the originals existed, and that doesn't seem to matter anymore. I still can't believe from 2013 when Philip Morris found Enemy of the World and Web of Fear that that would have been it. Yeah, I mean, some people did, and they called it right the first time, even though they were wrong, because we had some evidence that there could be more. And now, you know, we look back and, you know, Philip Morris, he sure, did. he did an amazing job, but he also led people on a little bit. Including Stephen Moffat, who thought he was, like, coming to be more Doctor Who this year than never before, thinking all these missing episodes were coming back. Yeah. And then nothing, except for those two. Which is still good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, in, in my... My memories of Doctor Who over the years, that's one of the best memories of finding those episodes and, and getting them on streaming platform right away to watch them, you know. And, um, you know, I would love to continue to experience that. I was actually getting spoiled to the point where I was like, imagine every month we're going to watch episodes we've never seen before. But but now we're finally getting animated, and they did a good job with this set. I haven't gone through all the extras yet, but they have a lot of commentaries on some of the the episodes. 
they did some making ofs, which is reminiscent of what they used to do with these DVD sets that were chock full of extras, making ofs, and interviews and stuff, and they cobbled together. They have the commentary from Deborah Watling for episode two, and they have commentaries from other people from different episodes, which I haven't listened to yet. They have the um, inter introduction by Patrick Troughton from, I, I'm assuming, the uh, the audio from where she's he's talking to uh, Zoe about the Daleks. Oh, yeah, where she first. puts on the, the visualizer thing. Yeah. So that's in one of the episodes. So there's a lot of good stuff in the DVD. I got the DVD set, the American DVD set, three three discs. Uh, they did the color animation. They did the black and white animation. You have the option to watch the episode two in animation. I did that with the black and white. Uh, black and white color and the original. I watched it in the original because <laughs> I just stu stubborn that way. I um, watched it in color when it first came out, and then before when we did to watch it again for the review, I watched black and white with the original episode two. I ended up watching. I forgot about the color, so I watched the first episode in black and white. Then I watched the original. And then I said, wait a minute, I got color to watch, so I watched that. Um, <laughs> so I was all over the place. Didn't you think Jamie was kind of not in character? He was very untrusting. And that kind of just came out of nowhere. Untrusting of who? The doctor? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I have to admit that when I watched this episode, I didn't take any notes, and I didn't really invest as much into to it because I, I didn't realize we were going to review it this quick or have the opportunity to review it this quick so I kind of skimped on that a little bit but um, this was supposed to be the last Dalek story wasn't it yeah but I guess right at the last minute they, they heard you know you have to keep one of the Dalek you know at least one Dalek alive or whatever so they had a pulsating light at the end but um, there's also a lot of good story behind the making of this episode. I guess originally they were get, trying to, get, they, you know, they wrote um, Ben and Polly out. Originally they were supposed to be in up to episode two. They were contracted and they decided to get rid of them earlier in the previous episode. The Faceless Ones. Cause faceless they Ones. Placed right after. I mean, immediately right after. So they had po possible companions were Pauline Collins' character from Faceless Ones and they had this actress, I can't remember her name, who was going to play uh, Victoria and Paul, they, they offered it to Pauline Collins at the end of Faceless Ones and she said no. So, and I guess that sucked because, well, she's a really good actress, but that would have been really nice. So they got Deborah Watling instead. So then they were going to use the actress, but then they decided to make Deborah Watling or uh, Victoria the uh, character, the, goat, the companion. So then they said to the actress, no, and, and I guess the actress had said, in a convention or something, she said, um, no, they wanted someone that was smaller and more innocent looking or whatever, so they got Deborah Watling, you know, cute and innocent type of thing, or petite or whatever. Anyhow, so yeah, we got Deborah Watling, and, uh, you know, Deborah Watling obviously went on to do Victoria for a number of episodes, and the uh, whole next season. Yeah, so, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, she was okay in this. You, you, you know, um, there were some really good moments where she's talking to the doctor and I, reminiscent of Tomb of the Sidemen, where there's some of that. And 
that's what I liked about Classic. There was always opportunities that companions and doctors could talk and have some moments, and you don't get that in the show, too, the new show, too much anymore. Chibnall tried to do it in the in the, the first season, and, and I thought he was successful. Then he, he abandoned it for complete ridiculousness in the the last couple of his seasons. This wasn't the first story that mentioned where he says I'm from a different about his home planet, did he? That's been mentioned before, right? In Hartnell. I thought so. I thought he's already mentioned it. We come from another. I mean, it was never alluded to. I mean, I thought they mentioned in this episode about him being human or something. And so I don't think they were really sold on the idea. I don't think people realized that he was in, not from Earth. Until he goes through that Dalek factor thing and he goes, I'm not from, I'm not from Earth, Jamie. That's why it didn't work on me. Oh, uh, so that happened in this episode? So yeah. may, maybe it was the first time. I don't remember. It definitely was not something that happened overnight. It wasn't like right out of the, you know, when you watch Unearthly Child, people go, oh, yeah, if he's from another planet. And I don't remember if he said that in Unearthly Child, but he definitely said I'm from another time. But that doesn't mean another planet. It could just be from the future or something. But, um, you know, and obviously everything with Time Lords and everything wasn't really brought up for another couple more seasons. So. The war games. When they first appeared. So, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I thought the, the story was, was really good. Uh, the concept of it is the Daleks are trying to find... Human factor. The human factor, because they think the human factor will, will give them, will improve them, which is weird because the Daleks have always sort of come off as being we're perfect and if we start to mutate ourselves we're imperfect and later on there's episodes where they're battling each other because some Daleks have become more human and they're tainted it's the whole Nazi thing where it's right, like and, oh, start, if you're... and these Daleks start questioning they don't really go back to taint, non-tainted Daleks until the Sylvester McCoy era yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It took them a while to get back to it. They, they. Um, I don't think there was anything bef between that. But um, second doctor was definitely manipulative in this one. It seemed a little more, a, little, a bit more darker. Yeah, it seemed like there was a couple of deaths that he could potentially have, have maybe um, prevented or tried to do something about. But. Um, yeah, so the human factor ends up, you know, instead of making super Daleks, he, they make a couple of uh, three uh, ridiculous Daleks that are just like... Alpha, Beta, and Omega. Yeah, and they go around playing games and stuff, and, you know, you have orders to go in there? Why? You know, so they're asking they're, they're asking questions, and they're becoming more more human, and, um, you know, the I, I'm thinking of the, the, <laughs> the characters that died... With the doctor sort of letting it happen, he kind of let he kind of manipulated those three Daleks, and then they just end up killing themselves or get killed by the other. So he manipulated all of them. He says, "You got to defend yourself. They're killing you." Right. And, and he, he starts getting them to start attacking. And yeah, he did kind of manipulate them, didn't he? Yeah. So I, I, I how, think wait a minute. My only question is, how does the Dalek make an Omega sign? On, on a Dalek when they don't have any hands? Or do they have Maxible to it? I don't know. 
And the doctor goes, don't you think I can't, I don't know my own mark handwriting? And we pushed the fake Omega over the cliff. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I was captivated by the audio of it. Like I said, I think the first few episodes is just, uh, I mean, maybe I'm being a little harsh on it. I, I, I meant to watch it again, but I only had seen it a week or two ago, so um, I didn't feel like I needed to watch it again. But I, I, I felt distracted by the first couple of few episodes. I thought the first one was pretty good because it was, I mean, it was a direct, like a lot of those episodes, it was a direct continuation from Faceless Ones. They're actually running away from the plane that was about, you know, they're, they're on the runway for some reason. They're running off the... The runway to get away from the plane and you know it's almost like it's a direct and there the TARDIS gets taken and there's some intrigue going on there a little bit of manipulation but that part I kind of liked but once they got to the mansion they're knocked out and Jamie's going through all this and there's a test to here and a test there and um, you know but I guess the cast was pretty good there was a lot of characters and some of them just sort of disappear but uh Max Tipple and some of the characters are, are pretty well. What did the coat of arms said Whitaker on it? After, the animation, David, yeah. after David Whitaker, the mm -hmm. writer, not the 13th Doctor? Yeah. Yeah. And in the, when they were in the cafe, one of the songs was from the Seekers. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen, but there's also in that, there was another song I couldn't recognize, but it was supposed to be the Beatles paperback writer was supposed to be played in it, but that was taken out because of rates issue. Now, was it taken out for this, or was it taken out for the broadcast? I don't remember, but it was... I, I, it said that it was in there, Paperback Writer. I think they took it out for this. Yeah. Because if Revelation of the Daleks, the DJ music he was playing, some of the music got replaced. Yeah. So... So I think this one got replaced, but for some reason, the Beatles are still in the chase. Yeah. But I remember hearing about this. It's still in the chase for some reason because it was in the visualizer. It was, but it was, it was a a, uh, a BBC a BBC recording. So the BBC still had the rights to it. Too bad they couldn't find a paperback writer recording. He was just the audio for the radio. You think they would have been able to do that? But maybe it's different because if if the visualizer and chase, if they didn't show the visuals, then it would have been the audio, and that would have been different. Maybe so they. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's too bad that that's still an issue. Yes, um, Paul McCartney said no. And I'm pretty sure the audio that we listened to, well, I don't know. I listened to the official release of the audio. You got the original one when it came out on cassette, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it was in there. I have a vague memory that it was, but for this it, would, it wouldn't. So, or maybe they don't want to pay Paul McCartney and Ringo and the estate of George and Harrison and John Lennon money just for a 30 second clip of Pickback Writer. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the episode is, I alluded to this already, that the episode was considered a classic and a lot of people liked it and it's kind of up there. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. The ratings were pretty excellent, you know, 8.1, 7.5, 6.1, they were going down, 5.3, sounds like this season of Doctor Who, except uh, those episodes were a lot lower. But then it started going back up again, it went 
and then it went 6.8, 6.1. So... This was the end of the season, too. This was the last episode of the season. Yeah. And the story was repeated in 1960 at the end of Season 5. And um, at the end of The Wheel in Space, the Doctor uses the uh, the display to show Zoe. Um, and that's how they get it, went into the re repeat. And they show a clip from Episode 1 of Evil of Daleks. Um... It was the only time any Doctor episodes other than the first episode were re-shown in the 1960s. Hmm. So they had re-shown the first episode. So back then, if you missed it, you missed it. And even the repeat, they, you know, I don't even know how they got episode two, if it was from the repeat or from the original. Um, I thought it was a solid story. Even though it's seven parts, it's kind of long. It, it actually was two different stories. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think the last part, just by what they did, production-wise, and what it did, story-wise, is, is pretty spectacular. But I thought the first few episodes was a bit of a a slowdown, and I don't remember them. But I, you can argue that that's probably a lot of Doctor episodes. But don't forget, back in what '66, they were watching it one a week. We were watching in one shot. Yeah. And the um, where they sh they shot a lot of this in, in an actual house, which was the set was really good. I mean, from what we saw of it in, in episode, episode two, two, yeah. And the animation they did the best they could with animating. Max Max Maxwell looks Maxwell just doesn't. Yeah, he just looks. The animation didn't do him any. Yeah, but well, you know that's all right. I, I mean, mean, I think. Patrick Trout and Fraser Hines looks look look halfway decent. I, I can't really tell from the rest of the actors, but I thought Deborah Watling was a little off. It didn't look quite. I mean, I don't know. It was it was okay. I mean, it feels like they had this animated section where they show the sketches, and it feels like part of the budgetary is okay. You have ten minutes. If you don't finish it, then then you can't do it. So here's here's Patrick Trout in ten minutes. Okay, that's gonna what we're gonna end up using. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to bash. Maybe I'm bashing the, the the animation, but I'm not expecting Shrek or Final Fantasy or you know what's an anim, you know even the Blade Runner thing we mentioned earlier. If the animation was like that, I think we'd still complain about stuff, but it wouldn't be the animation as much. We'd be sitting there. We, I guess we do complain about the animation a little bit from Blade Runner, but that you know that's a different expectation. You know, right now we're expecting it's basically paper doll, um, where they're, they're just... Like, like Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, but even worse, even low budget. And some of the CG stuff was, was the, the, with the Daleks, a little more three-dimensional. Some of that stuff was pretty good. So, again, compared to some of the other ones, this is one of the better ones, so... Uh, I don't think it took away too much, but I, I like the fact that they're but giving you are options. right. If they were doing a poll, it wouldn't be up in the top ten. It would be not even the top five. It'd be like maybe top. Well, I have in the top twenty, maybe. I haven't. I haven't read a Doctor Who magazine in decades. Pretty much when the show came back, I I, I very quickly stopped 
with Doctor Magazine. I, I don't remember if I even had the Doctor Magazine when the show came back. To tell you the truth, most I'm sure there must be a list. But every year they used to do a survey. It used to drive me crazy because it would it would it, often it would have some of the missing episodes, and then when Tomb of the Cybermen was found the following year, it went down. The same thing is going to happen when they animate Dalek Master Plan, which is held in such regard. Yeah. And I, so that's why you look at Evil Daleks. Where was it last year and the year before? In the in the poll, will it go down because of this? Because you know more people are watching it, and maybe more people give it lower grades. I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, what was the last one that we did? It's been a while since we did... Uh, oh, this is the first classic Doctor Who we've done this year. Yeah. But, I mean... It would have been the... Uh, the it wasn't that long ago that we did Faceless Ones, which is right before this one. Or the, uh, the Underwater Menace. Yeah. I kind of liked Faceless Ones more. I don't know if I like Faceless Ones more than this, but I enjoy Faceless Ones. I liked Underwater Menace. Yeah. That one I, there can't be that many more from that season... For Troughton, anyway. You figure if they do a box set, they're not going to put Hartnell. Was it the first season of Troughton? Yeah, it was a shared season with Hartnell. Yeah. I wonder if they do the BB, if the Blu-ray, or they just put the Troughton ones together and the Hartnell ones with the previous season. The Highlanders. I can't see them. I can't see that being a solo release. I can only see that being on the Blu-ray. Because it's a historical, and they don't sell that them, those that well. Well, how many animated... Well, I guess they have done a few animated... How many Troutman ones are left? No, I, I'm just... First off, I'm not a big fan. I, I understand the box sets, but those are ultimate and double-dipping. Um, you know, this is an audio podcast, but if it was visual, I could point the camera to my DVD set, and I spent a lot of money on that DVD set, and I... Years ago, I was stupidly, I made space for all the new the Doctor episodes we were going to find. And then I said, wait a minute, that was dumb, and I went, I, I put them all back. But here I am trying to get this collection, and now they're going to release, and, and, and some of them are going to make sense. But they're going to, you know, they do this, and then are they, are you telling me that in, what's left in this season? Are you looking that up? Yeah. What's left? That they need to animate? Yeah. Okay, they've done... This is just for the Trout ones. They did Power. Highlanders is... They need to do. The Underwater Menace. Very did. Yeah, but it's not animated. They, they did episodes one and four, or or one and three, or... So what am I thinking about? What did they... They did... They released it, but they used telesnaps, and it's god-awful. Okay. Um, it just did Evil Daleks. Abominable Snowman, that's coming out. They did Ice Warriors. They did Whip of Fear. And, uh, The Wheel in Space. That is the heart, the Troughton part. What was the season before this? Oh, Smugglers and the Savages. No. Uh, Okay. I'm confused. I I think I'm confused because you're right. It was in the mid-season. And it's shared with with William Hartnell, but I thought Evil of Daleks was the end of the season. It is. Okay. I went too far, didn't I? The other thing that's so frustrating is I go ahead to click on episodes. They need to do 
Highlanders underwater menace for this season, and I'm not 100% sure of the heart knows. Does this season start with the war machines, or does it start with the savages? Or is the savages the last season? Because that's when Steven leaves. Okay, so this season, I don't know where you're getting that information from, but I'm looking at season four. Season four is the smugglers. Okay, that needs to be done. Yep. Tenth planet. Yep. Already done. Power of the Dogs is already done. Highlanders needs to be done. Underwater Menace, I guess, needs to be done. Moonbase is done. Done. Macroterra is done. And that's it. Faceless Ones is done. I'm still doing, the, and then Evil Adalix is the last one. That's the end of the season. Right. I, I, I went too far. Okay. So, when they release the 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 set, I am only getting two new episodes, maybe three. I guess if you count the Underwater Menace. And that seems kind of, I mean, and it's probably worse with the Marco Polo season, right? Because we're only getting one new episode out of that one. That's if that's what they're doing. If that if that's what they're doing, which would be the first season, right? Yes. So, so they're going to come out with the first season, which means we'll already have Unearthly Child, the Daleks with that new episode, the episode that's better. Edge of Destruction we already have. Marco Polo will be brand new, uh, and that's it. And that one, they're going to come out as a Blu-ray set. It's going to be, what are they coming out as, $70, $80, something like that? <clears throat> something like that. So I have to spend $80 or $70 or $80 on Marco Polo. And maybe there'll be a few extras to sweeten the pot, but... The second season, <clears throat> damn, they just got to do the, the Crusade. So that's why when they do it that way, they're smart, maybe, but I don't think a lot of people are going to like it. The completists and will buy it because they need them all. Yeah, well, I'm a completist, but I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm I, I just can't. I can't. I mean, I, I'm hypocritical because I do double dip all the time. But smugglers I, is another. Yeah, that's another historical. That's to do with pirates, kind of sort of. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyways, um, I don't think Julia would have liked this one at all. It was seven episodes too long, and no, um, she would hated it. Yeah, um, and that's one of the reasons why. She's not doing the classic show anymore, and that's fine. I, I, I wouldn't want to go sit through a show, although we did do it with the watch, but that's the last time we're going to do something like that, where we're going to sit through something we don't really like. Um, you know, you kind of hope that maybe some of the episodes might be better than others, and I think there was a few that she thought were halfway decent, but not enough to watch it, and I think she would enjoy some of the later episodes with Ace and, and Swiss McCoy maybe a little bit more. I think we had some Peter Davison ones. I mean, I think, <clears throat> but once you start getting this far down into the 60s, um, I, I guess they're just, they're not, the pacing and everything is just too much um, for some people. And, um, you, you know, even I guess myself, I, I had some issues with the first few episodes, but the, it definitely redeems itself toward the end. Yeah. Um,. And I'm glad they're doing these animations. Again, this DVD set is definitely worth it. It's um, I waited a little bit before I purchased it, but they have a lot of extras on it, making it worth like you know worth it a little bit. Uh, I still would like to see the episodes found, but at this point, you can get what you get, and um, you know 
I'm happy with the releases of the animated and I will continue to support them as long as they put some effort into them and not just, you know, release it with no extras. I think some of the animated episodes, they have done that. Yeah. But they didn't put a lot into it. And this one, they definitely seem to have more. Uh, there's some good stuff in it. They, they went back to the house and they're walking through the house and Fraser Irons is going around going, this is where we filmed this and this and that and everything. So they had the original, one of the original Daleks from Evil of Daleks. Did you see that thing? I didn't watch that special yet. Yeah, it's, um, they didn't do anything to it. They didn't restore it or anything. It's just in original condition and it's pretty ratty looking. But it was in, uh, it was there and, it, you know, it was obviously something that was taken from, they had used it earlier in, previous Dalek episodes, but it was used in Evil of Daleks. And of course they had to ruin it. You're watching you're looking at this thing, you're like, this is really nice. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but Chris Thompson, the one of the designers for the Evil of Daleks, at the end of the interview the Dalek comes to life and kills him. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's and there was someone else there, I can't remember who it was, but the but at the end, they do that silly thing where the Dalek comes to life, yeah. and the music plays up, and the both of them, the, these two, this old guy, like 90 years old, starts walking away from the Dalek, and then it cuts to black, and you hear, you know, exterminate, and it's like, oh, he killed Chris Thompson. Okay, that sucks. But, um, <laughs> so where they have the, was it his collection, or did just a private collector have it? Or? A collector had it, and they brought it into the interview. And... Um, there was another one out in the in the garden too that was a, a more uh, like a newer construct, but it was kind of neat to see the original. It was like I said, it was bad shape, it was all faded and everything, but it was it was neat to see. But I mean, the, I found some of the making that was more interesting than the episode, but um, that's just me. <laughs> okay, anything else about this one? Nope. Okay, thanks for listening. <laughs>